Hi, this is Chris Torres, and welcome to the American Agriculturist Young Farmer Podcast. So Brian Harnish runs a 600-acre operation down in Peckway, PA, just south of Lancaster. Um, we actually interviewed him back in January. We did uh, we did several interviews at one time, and, and he was one of them. Um, really interesting story with Brian is that last year he actually um, he actually a- along with the other crops that he grows he started CBD hemp last year. I followed him all summer. Did a series of stories for American Agriculturist, and they're on the American Agriculturist website. If you'd like to check those out, we'll have links in the story. Um, we'll have links in the in the story on American Agriculturist um, to every single story if you'd like to check those out. So um, great interview with Brian, and I just wanted to say before we before we started, um, you know, if if you um, everybody's dealing with COVID nineteen right now, everybody it's it's turned all of our lives upside down. Um, I guess all I have to say is is uh, practice social distancing, stay safe, and, uh, and most importantly, stay healthy. And with that. Here's my interview with Brian Harnish. All right. Welcome. Good to be here. Thanks for coming. <laughs> this is, boy, I've been coming here. It seems like this is becoming my uh, second home. This is, what, the fourth time, fifth visit here? At least, yeah. And, uh, you know, for, for people who don't know who Brian Harnish is, I covered him, and you can go to the American Agriculturist website and look it up. We covered your first official year raising CBD hemp, and we did a whole bunch of stories this past summer. Correct. And um, touch on a little bit how your year was for people that don't know. On the hemp end? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we grew about three acres of hemp for the first time this year uh, for a couple different companies, CBD hemp. And uh, overall, it was a good learning experience. Uh, We learned a lot, a lot about the markets, a lot about how to grow the crops uh, and how to handle them and harvest them. And uh, it was a good experience. Um, we'll probably do it again next year uh, with some tempered enthusiasm. I say that because that market still has to shake out. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good uh, it was a good little side project for our farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really um, you know hemp is such an exciting thing, and, and a lot of people are getting into it. But um, I, I think the the reality is set in that you know this is you know the the, the people the the, the growers who um, we're going to start seeing weeding out of growers, if you will. Do you, right. do you kind of agree with that in the oh, next coming year? Definitely, yeah. Some guys will not be growing again. Yeah. Yeah, they had a bad experience with it. It didn't go well, uh, so they'll be out. Uh, and some guys are going to stay in. And the market will eventually sort itself out into a spot where people can make some money on it, but not a lot. And that's what's going to happen. It'll con- you'll continue to see more mechanization going forward in the hemp. Though. You'll see larger, less growers, but, but larger acreage growers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if we have time later today, if we have time today, you know, we'll get back to that machine that was here, which I thought was really interesting. Made by an Amish guy, by the way. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, one thing that we didn't cover when I when I came on your on your farm this summer and last spring was um, really to talk about you and talk about you know your background. So, um, if you can just go ahead and and uh, and you know just go over your give us a brief biography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So I uh, grew up in Conestoga. Uh, I went to Penn Manor High School and uh, studied agriculture there and um, was involved in the FFA program there and also the Penn Manor wrestling team and um, moved on, studied ag at Penn State, 
and then started farming uh, when I graduated college in 2009. Um, some family history there. My father grew up on a small dairy farm here in Mardikville. Um, I went on to buy that farm with my wife in 2014 from my grandparents. Um, but my father left the farm for a time. He was in healthcare <clears throat> for uh, most of his career. Was he a doctor? He was a respiratory therapist. Mm -hmm. But uh, since my uncle was still on the farm here locally, we were able to have our feet, you know, still in the farming game, if you will. And I enjoyed helping him and my grandfather on the farm uh, growing up. Um, so we still had that farming exposure. And then uh, about the time I was ready to graduate college, this farm where we're at now here in Mordickville came up for sale. And my dad was able to buy that. Uh, and then I started renting it from him the year I graduated and uh, started farming. <clears throat> and at the time, I think I was farming about 160 acres when I started. Um, and then we uh, continued renting ground as it became available. Uh, and I bought the farm from my grandparents there in Mardikville. Uh, and just kept expanding and now uh, with my brother and I we're farming about 600 acres uh, We do about 60 acres of pumpkins and watermelons and uh, about 25 acres of tobacco wrap PA wrapper tobacco uh, And we've been in sweet corn uh, We've been in the sweet corn business and cantaloupes and we got out of that uh, Just focused mainly now on the pumpkins and watermelons uh, and tobacco and of course grain so that'd be my family history. My wife grew up on a farm as well, so that's important. She understands it. She gets it, you know, when you're working the, the long days and weekends. Uh, she does a great job taking care of the kids. So it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. How do you split up your corn and soybean acreage? Uh, we're heavy corn. Yeah, we're heavy corn. Probably 75 to 80% corn and the balance wheat uh, and soybeans for okay. rotation. Okay. Um, so when you when you went to Penn State, what did you what did you major in? I majored in agricultural science, uh, and I had a minor in agronomy. Okay. So I focused on basically crops uh, and the business side too. I did a lot of ag business courses as well. Interesting. So what was was the was the the goal always to come back to the farm? Is this what you is this what you wanted to do? Uh, not initially, no. Not when I went to college, it wasn't. Uh, but when the opportunity to buy this farm came up. Uh, <clears throat> we talked about it, and I just uh, became more and more driven to farm. Um, so we, we dived in and, uh, and made it work. So what initially did you want to do? I didn't know. I, I didn't know when I went to college, yeah. Okay. Maybe some type of consulting work. Uh, I've always been interested in economics, um, so maybe if I didn't farm, I probably would have went that route, maybe ag economist, something like that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I enjoy studying the markets and how they work and function. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. Discuss with me now in in terms of in terms of the the farm itself right now. I mean, has it transitioned to you and your brother at this point, or is it still owned by your father? Uh, so right now, my parents still own this farm that I live on. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, this year uh, we're planning on buying, uh, starting the transition process. Uh, my wife and I are going to buy uh, this farm here where we're at, and uh, my brother Chris is going to buy uh, one of the other farms that my parents own uh, in Conestoga. Interesting. Talk to me a little bit about that transition process. I mean, yeah. you know, because I think that I, I forget what the exact numbers are, but there's going to be a lot of farmland that's going to switch hands here within the next, you know, 10, 15 years right. as the older generation leaves and you have the younger generation coming in. But talk to me a little bit about that transition process. Was that something that um, 
your you and your father, you and your parents mm-hmm. were constantly in discussion about? I mean, was one thing was it just something that your father just said to you? Listen, we need to talk about transition. Right. Yeah. No, it was definitely mutual and something uh, we've been talking about for a couple of years. And actually, uh, last year when we started getting more serious about it, uh, we actually brought in a third party. Um, company to help work up a farm transition plan for us because there's so many factors so many moving parts when you do that um tax implications for all parties involved um and uh so we brought in a third party to look at all that look at all the factors and and come up with a really good transition plan for us interesting so bringing in that consultant um you know um Tell me a little bit um, about. Tell me a little bit more about how important it was to have that consultant. What you learned from that consultant. What they brought to the table. Right. So they do that every day. I mean, they do that for a living. So they would see different things that maybe we did not uh, in terms of uh, in terms of taxes. Uh, they also really uh, asked us a lot of good pointed questions. You know um, about your fu- you know your future. Where do you want to be down the road? Um, and this is what it's going to cost, you know, and, um, do you really want to do it, you know, and why? So, um, they helped us look at some factors that we may not have thought about on our own. Um, and of course the tax end is so complex for everybody. So they really had a lot of good input for us, um, on that end. Talk to me about the emotional part of it. I know that a lot of, you know, (laughs) From the older generation, from, from the people who are actually leading the transition, from the older generation, there's always, and even from, you know, from the younger generation, the kids, there's always an emotional part of it. There is. Must be something, must be hard for somebody to let go of a farm. I mean, so tell me a little bit about that. I mean, how did you, how did you guys handle that? Yeah, no, that's uh, good you bring that up. There are a lot of emotions involved uh, and attachments to the land, you know, when you've been working it so long. Um, so... I try to take emotion out of it as much as I can uh, and look at the business side of it. But, um, I mean, my parents were certainly willing. They've always been very, very supportive of us uh, and want what's best for us. Uh, so they've been just great to work with uh, and very open. It's important everybody's open and honest about things going into it, mm-hmm. uh, which we have been. And transparent. Transparency is important. So, um but it's a big commitment for us too. And my wife and I had to talk about it a lot and Hey, is this really what we want to do? Um, but, uh, if you look at things over a long term, land investing in land in Lancaster County has always, or generally been a very good investment Mm -hmm. for people. So interesting. So, um, you talk about, uh, you and your wife having, having conversations about it. Um, you know, and, and how, how long did you guys actually talk? I mean, how long was that process of mm-hmm. you two actually talking about it, thinking about it? And, um, you know, how long was that process? Well, that's been ongoing for several years, really talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, and, uh, we both agreed, you know, she knows I love what I do and is very supportive of it. And, um, <clears throat> there really wasn't a whole lot of question to be honest with you. I mean, that's just <laughs> what we do. So it's in our blood, right. <clears throat> it's in our blood at this point. Right. So are your brother, um, you and your brother then, are you officially partners then? No, we're not officially partners. We have separate, uh, business entities, uh, but we work together. Okay. Now is he older than you or he's younger? He's two years younger. Two years younger than you. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you're pretty diverse here. Mm -hmm. Of course you have your grain, which is, you know, I mean, safe to say that's probably the biggest part of the operation, but you do all the vegetables, you did the hemp, you do tobacco. Talk to me a little bit about, um, about your, your farming philosophy, if you will. Right. Right. So when I started in farming, uh, my father and I, uh, 
you know, we grew grain and a little bit of tobacco, some of the uh, Maryland 609 and Burley tobacco. And when I started, I got into the uh, Pennsylvania wrapper tobacco, which is a little more time consuming, but also more profitable. Um, so, I, so I needed crops. I mean, grain wasn't going to pay for the farm, and I knew that. So I needed these specialty crops, you know, to be able to buy this farm someday because that was the end goal. Um, so then we got into the produce, which is very labor intensive. But coming out of college, I still had buddies uh, that were willing to help on the farm. Uh, I still get some guys from Penn a wrestling team from time to time uh, <laughs> who know how to work, you know. And uh, so, we, so we got into the specialty crops because we had to make it work. I mean, I wanted a farm that was going to be able to support my family. Um, so we had to do something, and that's what we got into uh, and did a lot of marketing over the years. And it took time to develop those markets and develop mm-hmm. relationships with vendors. Uh, but we're at a spot now where we feel really, really good about it. Uh, we can sell all our crops uh, every year, um, usually for a pretty good price because mm-hmm. of those relationships. And you sell everything wholesale? Uh, we do. Yeah, okay. we're all wholesale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. You have to have a focus, and uh, we decided to focus on wholesale. Yeah, that's great. Um, so tell me a little bit about, and of course, we, we, um, we talked a little bit about hemp at the beginning here, but, but um, you did add hemp this past year, and uh, you know, um, with you already being as diverse as you are, tell me about your, your thinking with that. Why did you decide to go ahead and, and go into the market for hemp? Well, it was just something new we wanted to try and see if it would be a good fit for operation. Um, and we still think it might be, but it's a bad time of year. It's right in the middle of grain harvest and right in the middle of pumpkin harvest. So uh, originally we thought that might be like a late August, early September harvest, and it drug out into October this year. Um, so I don't see us switching a lot of acres to hemp going forward mm-hmm. you know, at this point. And let's just make it clear: you're growing for CBD. You're not growing for fiber. Correct. It's all CBD. All okay. CBD. What are, what, what are the what are the you know if you if you can tell me like the top five things you've learned in your first year of actually growing that crop? Because again, you know this is a hot thing on the hemp. Yeah, um, some of the things we learned in hemp the first year, obviously uh, how to grow it, uh, what type of soils it likes. It likes a good, well-drained soil. Uh, it needs a lot of fertilizer, it needs water, uh, and it needs taken care of. And it's like any other crop, Chris. I mean, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out. Yeah. So uh, just attention to detail is always important Important there. Um, we learned about the plants getting hot. A lot of them are getting too high in THC. So maybe in the future, as that becomes more heavily regulated, we're going to have to harvest earlier in the season mm-hmm. uh, to avoid that. Uh, another thing we learned, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's extremely labor intensive, much like tobacco. Um, and it's gotta be harvested at the right time. Um, so we learned, you know, the mechanics of all that and the harvest process and the stripping, there's different stripping machines available now to pull the buds and leaves off the of stalks. And, uh, they're, they're constantly refining those and making them better. So that's only going to improve going forward. Did you sell now at the end of the season? Of course, you had some some issues with you had to store some that you didn't think that you were going to have to store. Right. Um, so so give me sort of a, a a sense of how that has that has that worked itself out in terms of the marketing in terms of the market for your particular crop. Uh, right now, we're still sitting on our crop. Actually, it's in storage at the drying facility, mm-hmm. and that facility uh, is not yet set up to extract yet. It won't be set up till February. So. We're still sitting on that crop. We obviously have not gotten paid, um, but we expect, we fully expect to get paid. Yeah. 
Yeah, that 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 that's definitely a big issue in this industry right now. There's a lot of guys sitting on their sitting on their crops. Right, so and the market thing. dropped considerably from where it was in the fall. Right. So, did you forward contract then with that? I mean, did you? We we did. You did. Okay. We did forward contract. Uh, one of the issues is that one of our customers does not want to honor that contract anymore because uh, the price has dropped so much. So they're it. trying to find a way out. Got it. Got it. Got it. That could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You could bring their attorneys in and really hash it out. <laughs> All right. Great. So, um, so tell me, you know, how, how is your, is your wife involved in the business? She is. Uh, she does uh, a lot of our book work, a lot of the behind the scenes work, which is getting more and more involved, of course, as, as we've grown. Uh, but she and I work really well together and uh, she does a lot of that, keeps all the loose ends, you know, mm-hmm. tied together, so to speak for me. So it's been great. I really couldn't do it without her. And you have two boys, am I correct? We have two boys and two girls, yes. Two boys and two girls. Mm-hmm. So Our oldest is 10. Okay. Yep. And how about the rest of them? Uh, 10, 8, 3, and 1. Wow. You have your hands full. We've got quite the spread there, <laughs> yeah. So the older two are getting more involved in the farm now, being able to help out. Uh, and I enjoy that. I enjoy, uh, you know, giving them that experience of growing up on a farm so they learn how to work. And I know from year to year, you know, obviously your, your struggles, your challenges will change from year to year. You know, um, anybody in this business knows that mother nature really is the, is the one that can affect that most. But, you know, throughout this process of your, of your growth, your transition, you know, into some more of these, some more of these specialty crops, what are some things that can you, can you talk a little bit about some things that, um, that, have surprised you along the way, some things that you didn't expect that you've had to deal with? Yeah, I mean, like you like you touched on, uh, the weather's obviously the X factor. We don't have any control over that, um, but we can control a lot of things, and, and just doing the right things uh, at the right time consistently, um, you know, you're going to get good results over time if you do things correctly and the right way. Um, so that's what we try to do. Uh, but as far as challenges go, I mean, yeah, the weather's the big one. Uh, labor's a big challenge on a farm like this. We bring in a lot of labor. Uh, we've dived into the H2A program last year and had to figure that out. Had some challenges there getting guys here on time. Um, but you just work through it. You know, after a while, you just got to believe in yourself and, and know that, uh, hey, I've been here before and, and I'll figure it out again. Uh, and sometimes that's part of leadership. You know, you don't always know know exactly where you're going, but sometimes you got to get it 80% of the way and then pull the trigger and you, you figure out the rest as you go. Yeah. So where'd you get that from in terms of, you know, I mean, where'd you, you, you seem like you're a really good leader. You're well-spoken. Um, where's that come from? I mean, does it come from just going to college and taking leadership courses? Does it come from, you know, your father? Where's that come yeah, from? Yeah, I think a lot of it came from my father. He was in business, uh, grew up on a small dairy farm and, uh, started his own business, had 30 some employees at one time and did well for himself. I learned a lot from him. Uh, he's been a great mentor over the years. Um, what did you learn from him? Uh, just everything. I mean, about life, you know, just, uh, we always have tried to be honest and fair in all our dealings with people and, uh, treat people the way we'd like to be treated. And I think that goes a long way. Um, when you treat people right, uh, he taught us how to work hard, um, you know, and, uh, support your family, things like that. You know, don't be looking for handouts and go, you know, get it done. Uh, so he taught us a lot. Uh, actually, I mentioned earlier I was involved in wrestling in high school, uh, well, the whole way through school, and that really helped me a lot, just uh, with the discipline you learn from that and uh, fortitude, 
you know, and just some mental toughness because, you know, life's not always easy. So you got to keep, keep going. But not uh, in this business, that's no, for sure. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, but I read a lot too. I've always read a lot. Uh, I always try to learn from people who have more experience than me, who are smarter than me. Um, and, uh, and you have to, cause life's too short to figure it all out on your own. So sure. just surrounding myself with the right people has been, has been re- you know, really important. What do you read? I read a lot of leadership books. Yep. I read a lot on marketing. Uh, I've always liked, uh, different motivational speakers like Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar over the years. Uh, so I read people like that, you know, and I try to try to be positive. Mm-hmm. What sort of things have you taken from some of those authors? From some of those things that you've read? You know, just, I mean, your life really can be whatever you make it. And we live in a great country. There's a ton of opportunity here. Um, and you can really do and be, you know, whatever you want. You just got to put your mind to it and, and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, and you farm in a county that is, you know, still, um, even with half a million people that live here, it's still a very big farming county. I think probably, it's safe to say it's probably the biggest in the Northeast, biggest in the Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, how is that? Um, but in, it's also changing very rapidly. So, um, you know, where, where do you see yourself and your business actually fitting in? What are the opportunities for you? And then at the same time, what are the challenges? Right. So, I mean, I think one of the challenges going forward in Lancaster County, especially, is land prices. Land, uh, it keeps going up, uh, and one farm anymore doesn't doesn't cash flow itself. So, uh, having multiple streams of income is important. Uh, I'm in real estate as well, and I started investing in real estate early in my farming career as a hedge against bad farming years, because oftentimes the real estate market can run counter cyclical to the ag production market. So when one's good, the other one's bad, and vice versa. So you actually sell houses. I sell houses and I have rental properties, yeah, that that supports our, you know, our farm somewhat and our family. Right. So we had to diversify that way, um, you know, to, uh, you know, to get through the challenges in production agriculture. Right. And your brother also has a, has a job off the farm, right? He does. Yep. And he's helped me, my brother, Chris, uh, who also went to Penn State. Yeah. He's helped us tremendously on the farm and, uh, he's worked in the ag industry, both in, uh, crop sales. Uh, and also in agricultural lending. So he's been in the industry uh, and also helps on the farm. And I think as our farm's grown, we might see him more and more around here yeah. as it can support, you know, multiple families. You guys going to become official partners sometime? Uh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> like partnerships. Right. I, I really don't. Uh, and I don't, that's nothing against my brother or anybody, but they just, they usually don't end well. Right. So I, I don't like official partnerships. So we covered a lot of ground in that one. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, you know, um, I, I guess my next question would be um, if there is something that uh, you want to pass down to your kids, some advice you want to pass down to your kids or pass down to the current generation, the young generation of people who are thinking of getting into this business, what would that be? What would you tell them for people who are just starting out in this business, who want to get into this business, who want to be farming? What kind of advice would you tell them? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. Um, And I think they need to understand it is a very difficult business. So you better love what you do, you know, because it is tough. uh, And there's there's good times and bad times. Um, But uh, certainly surround yourself with the right people. Farming, uh, it's not a terribly difficult business, but it is very complex in that there's a lot of moving parts. And as your business grows, you can't be an expert on anything, everything anymore. You can't be an expert on everything. So you've got to surround yourself with people that you know and trust and you can count on. 
And for me, you know, I can't do everything anymore. So I've got to have a good crop consultant. Uh, I've got to have a good lender that understands what we're doing. Uh, I've got different advisors, financial advisors. I've got an accountant I work with very closely. You know, I can't do all that stuff anymore. So I got to surround myself with the right people. Right. And that's really important. Um, also, I found for me, marketing has been very, very important uh, on the farming end. You know, anytime you can find your own markets uh, and spend time marketing your grain, you know, at the right times of year. Uh, I've always focused on tracking basis. Actually, since college, I've tracked local basis. So I now have 12 years of basis information locally that I can use in my marketing plan. Yeah, sure. So, sure. I would like to know what you think will be the next thing coming up for you in terms of, you know, either a specialty crop or something new that you'd like to try coming out here in the next couple of years. What's something that you think is going to be coming up for you in the next couple of years? Right. I mean, I think, I think mainly we've gotten our operation to the point um, where we're pretty stable and, and I don't see a lot of major changes for us going forward. Uh, but just improving efficiencies in what we do, like maybe some additional grain handling facilities here, uh, anything you can do to, to, to make things easier and more efficient uh, is kind of our focus right now. Um, that's where we're at. I don't expect to be adding a whole lot going forward. Uh, I've never been in the animal production industry, and I'm probably not going to go there. No cows? No cows. No, <laughs> not for us. No. No. You know, one thing that we've been covering at, at Farm Progress, and also there's been a lot of coverage of this, has been the mental health thing. Mm-hmm. has been mental health on farms and farmers dealing with that sort of thing. Um, you know, um, as a young guy, you're a pretty young guy. How old are you, by the way? I'm 32. Okay, so you're younger than me. Um, it's a pretty young guy. I know that for me personally, balance is a very important thing for me. And I know a lot of people our age, balance is a very important thing, work-life balance and all that sort sure. of thing. Um, give me your viewpoints on that. I mean, yeah. how do you, how do you try to, um, what is your work life balance like and how do you try to, to fit in the family time, spend time with the kids, that right. sort of thing? Right. Yeah. That's a great question, Chris. And it is a, it's a real concern in the farm, uh, community right now as, as we've had some rougher years, you know, in the last half a decade, uh, farmers are generally pretty isolated out there on their own in rural communities and don't get as much interaction as they maybe would like to. Uh, so I think it's important, you know, being involved in other groups outside the farming community. Uh, we enjoy being involved in a church community. Uh, I still uh, help with the Penn Manor wrestling program. Um, so being involved, you know, with other people, um, joining different discussion groups at times, you know, and things like that is very, very important. Have you had any issues with that sort of thing? I mean, have you had to get any help or anything, you know, in the downtimes for yourself? Um, No, I have not. Uh, I try to stay busy. And like I said, I'm in real estate, too. So uh, that's a very positive environment. And I enjoy that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Really to be around other people. You know, I enjoy being around people. Sure. You know, and and uh, and talk to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the fact that you're working here at home. You know, you have your kids around, you know, um, must be a lot easier for you to be able to see your kids. They can come down here and see you. At least the older ones can. Right. And, um, you know, of course, you have those two older kids. Your two older kids help you out in the farm and now? They do, yeah. So what do they do? I mean, so they help uh, in pumpkin season. You know, they can make bins and make lids. Uh, and my oldest son's actually running the forklift a little now. Uh, and they come out in the fields and help some uh, in the tobacco fields and the pumpkin fields. And uh, planting, they help with planting some. So it's good to get them involved on the issue with living with your kids. You know, it's great to have the family 
here with us. But at the same time, when you live in the farm, uh, it's tough to get away because you're always there. You're there the whole time. Uh, and it's almost like you never leave work. So for some people, that can be a challenge, you know, when you talked about the work-life balance. How do your wife and I deal with how do you, how do you, how do you and your wife deal with that? I mean, well, we do try to get away on our own sometimes, try to take some weekends off, uh, go out for dinner, uh, just to take a break. Yeah. What do you like to do? What do you like to do outside the farm? Uh, yeah. I mean, we love to go to the beach. We try to get down there a couple times a year. Uh, we like the mountains as well, uh, just to get away, you know, and enjoy life. Well, that's great. That's great. And you still help out with the wrestling program? We do. Yeah, we and do. you coach then for the team? Yeah, I help coach elementary wrestling for Penn Manor. Yeah. You know, that's my my wife and I, my wife and I have have uh, have talked about putting our son in wrestling. But the one thing that holds us back is the actual meets, the time to spend to actually do those meets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's time consuming. It's like, a, yeah. it's like an all day thing, right? It can be. It can be. But it's just I mean, it's it's one of the greatest sports ever. Maybe I'm a little biased, but the things the things people learn uh from that sport, you know, stay with them their whole life. And the friendships you develop, um and bonding with other teammates in, in that sport, uh is is second to no other sport. Did your father wrestle? Uh he did, yes. He also wrestled at Penn Manor. Mm-hmm. Okay. At Penn Manor. At Penn Manor. At yeah. Penn, did you wrestle at Penn State then? I did not. I did some club stuff up there, but nothing official. Yeah. Penn State has a really, really good men's wrestling program. They do. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, in terms of uh, other farmers in the community, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, tell me about learning from other farmers, learning from farmers who obviously who are older than you. Um, you know, tell me about the things that you've learned from, from other guys, other women um, that farm in the community that you've sort of have taken with you. Right. You know, being your own farmer now. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. And the farming community is unique in that uh, people are in some ways competitors, but we're also kind of in it together and that we're doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, it can be a struggle at times. So it's, it's a pretty tight community. Uh, and people, you know, we look out for each other and try to help each other. And uh, some older farmers, you know, I kind of leaned on as I was getting started. And you ask them questions and things. And people are usually, you know, happy to help you, you know. And uh, I think as I get older, I'd enjoy helping uh, younger farmers, you know, and kind of pay that forward and do the same thing. Sure. Are you are you mentoring anybody right now? I mean, Uh, not mentoring anybody in farming specifically. No, in in the real estate end, I do mentor some young some young people um, and I enjoy that. Yeah. You know, I'll help them out however I can. As a young guy, I mean, as a young guy in this business and, and, you know, I wish you nothing from the best and nothing but the best in the future. And I'm sure, you know, with your skills and everything you do really, really well, but what are your biggest needs, you know, coming, looking into the future? What are your biggest needs, um, in terms of, uh, expansion, all that sort of thing, what you'll have to do to, to, to make this business sustainable in the next few years? Right. Um, you know, like I said earlier, just good relationships with people in the industry that you can trust. Um, you know, Penn State Extension does a good job of disseminating information to the growers. They do a lot of great research. Uh, so I've leaned on them heavily over the years. Um, so they do a good job. So let's talk about your financial challenges and how you actually deal with your financial challenges. Right. So, What's your philosophy? Yeah, so starting out in farming, I mean, obviously, I didn't have a lot of money coming right out of college, and, and we got into those specialty crops because they're, you know, kind of cash crops. Uh, so that's where we started. And then as we grew and needed to add equipment, um, you know, my strategy has always been to basically pay cash for equipment. Um, 
I don't like to borrow money for depreciating assets like equipment. So if I didn't have the cash, I either rented uh, the equipment from someone else or got those jobs uh, custom done uh, until I saved up enough money to buy the equipment on my own. So I think that's important. There's always the temptation in the ag industry to want bigger, better equipment, uh, you know, and try to impress your neighbors. But I've never really been into that at all. Uh, because it's, you know, it doesn't get you anywhere. So we've always tried to keep our equipment debt low, and I'd rather uh, loan money on land, you know, something that's going to go up in value over time. Sure. But you have all your equipment now. You do all your growing, you do all your, excuse me, all your planting, all your harvesting, all that? For the most part, yeah, we do all our own planting and harvesting. Uh, I get some custom baling done, uh, some custom, uh, we do some variable rate lime uh, and potash spreading. I get that custom done. We don't have that specialized equipment. But uh, for the most part, everything else, we do all our own spraying, planting, and harvesting. Yeah. Great. Great. I mean, so do you do anything in terms of, uh, in terms of precision agriculture? I mean, are you, you starting to go, get into any of that? We are, yeah, now. So we started doing variable rate uh, fertilizer a few years ago with Nutrient Ag. They helped do that. We're doing grid sampling. So we're really putting, uh, you know, the right nutrients on the right acre, um, and, and that's helping a lot. Uh, to get our fields, to get the pH balanced, uh, and to get the right levels of nutrients at the right spot. Uh, also in spraying, I mean, we have uh, automatic uh, boom shutoffs now, so we're doing a better job spraying. We don't have as much overlap. So, yeah, all those things, those little things add up over time. Do you have auto steer? I do not have auto steer, no. I don't mind, steer, I don't mind turning the steering wheel. So. Brian Harnish, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. Special thanks to Brian Harnish down in Peckway, PA. Always great to visit with him. You can check out the stories that we wrote on his farm um, from last summer and his hemp growing operation um, at www.americanagriculturist.com. I'll have the links to every single story um, in the in the article that goes with this podcast, and uh, and that should be up right now on our website. My name is Chris Torres, editor of American Agriculturist. Thank you very much for joining us here on the American Agriculturist Young Farmer Podcast. <music>